As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. And the DJ Scratch means we're live. Welcome to another episode of Burn and Return. How's, how's everybody doing? That was too I, much. I don't, know. I don't know why I came out with the with. Is that like a is that the the John Denver uh, cover of our our intro there? Or what, what, what John was Perry, that? should I like continue a... the Burnham Return song to start these episodes? I would advise anybody. Who's <laughs> <thinking of Christmas. laughs> hey, hey! I want to get. I want to get. I want to get you Perry. Should. And I, I'm serious. I've seen him play on on the videos. He's a pretty good musician. He's Maybe talented. He can help us. I'm saying that's it. maybe you guys could combine forces. You know, do we, hey, do a duet, a burn and return. Yeah. Duet? Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. John Perry, reach that. out to my people, and uh, and we'll 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 do we'll do a duet. It'll be a good time. Record some beautiful music together. That's right. We I yes, I mean, shed fires and what you text me in the private chat, and you know, <laughs> and, go balls. Um. Purple drink. I, my name. My name is Matt. Uh, sometimes I go by the Grass Factor. Martin. Uh, alongside me, we have uh, OSU Turf Man and uh, the Green Doc himself. And uh, we would like to thank y'all for coming on and joining us for at least the next hour or so, where we're going to be covering the latest news from the green industry and segments of the green industry. And we kind of have some running themes here that uh, that we like to revisit and follow up on. And this week is no different that we're going to continue to follow up on some of the things we've been talking about for, oh, I don't know, three months or the last month or the last few weeks, um, just so we can watch in real time how this plays out in reality, right? And uh, and hopefully that as we watch this in, in the real world uh, play out before our eyes, that when it appears in the future, we're all a little bit more educated on how we're going to handle those things. And so we'll be covering that in some of the headlines. Um, and of course, this week too, in continuation with uh, all the positive feedback we've been getting from our newest segment, uh, we have a fantastic Joe Knows Turf, um, and I really, really look forward to what we're going to be unpacking here because, as we all know, this is one of my absolute all-time favorite content creators, and uh, so that is going to be an action-packed segment. Uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna jump into some burns and and burns we're gonna do some deep dives on uh, you know some things we see out there that are that are a little bit chaotic and, uh, and need to be to be you know, further further challenged I guess and uh, and then we're gonna bring it all back to reality and make everybody feel good and happy and and super excited to undergo their week with with our returns and I did throw a curveball in the returns because because I'm a sadist. Or a masochist? Is that 
I think I'm a masochist more than a sadist. Which which one which one enjoys the punishment? There's got to be a there's got to be a test on BuzzFeed or a quiz you can go. To. <laughs> we'll do that after the show. We'll do that. After yeah, the show. yeah. The, I think I think when you need to take that quiz after the show, Matt. <laughs> I think I think before I think before you remember you... the stabby stabby person that was around for a little while. You know who I'm talking about, and I'm not going to mention yes. any names, but you know the one who. Yeah. Was oh yeah, yeah, stabby yeah. stabby. They <laughs> continue to send that to me and my wife, asking us to take <laughs> take it. And uh, oh. so I, I did. I did take that, and uh, and it, it just. Well, you're just not. He- you're just not girl. hearing her because you're deaf. Remember? The, oh yeah, that's right. So uh, Listen, all I'm going to recommend is knocked on my door like the SWAT <laughs> really did. It scared the shit out of me because my, my office is literally right next to the front door. And if I'm doing this right here and if I'm doing it, if, as you as you walk by to get to my front door, you have to see me right here. Like there's no doubt you cannot miss me. I'm right in front of the window. The window's open. You see me. So not only did this person walk by the window and see me, and then they attempted to knock down my door. I thought I was going to have to shoot somebody. It scared the shit out of me. Oh, no. I almost called Sir, them a sea, a sea sucker, but I didn't, Demay. I didn't do I'm that. proud of you. <laughs> proud of you for having that level of I have been and, warned uh, not to say that on air today. Uh, Perry, should we refrain from using the word? Never mind. Never mind, Perry. I, I know. <laughs> I know. We've talked about this off air. I know where you're uh Demay, how about how about you you personally take us into the headlines yeah hey listen uh it is going to be uh, a lot of the eh, not the same old same old but uh ladies and gentlemen let's go ahead and listen to those headphones and uh headlines through our headphones and let's go ahead and put on that reynolds wrap right now That's the tinfoil hat going on as we begin my, to read. My my lead helmet is on. <laughs> Ray, Ray opted for lead today. And this is just a little follow-up on what's going on in Asia. Obviously, we were uh, one of the early, in fact, at least in podcast form, I think we have been so far the only green industry related podcast that even touched this topic, uh, probably because it was awfully controversial uh, because it highlighted the realities of what happens when you do these uh, drastic extremist measures to implement um, uh, these, these bizarre uh, green policies and and with the green specific green policy there was, was the bid to become the, uh, the first forced, organic crop producing nation, right? The entire nation was going to become a crop producing nation. And that would be Sri Lanka. And so we're revisiting here and the headline is just an absolute doozy. And, and, you know, we talked about the riots that were undergoing and, you know, they burned down the, uh, the, the prime minister's house and we're throwing all the politicians, trucks and stuff and water and, uh, you know, just general unrest because, because people are starving. And you take a group of, uh, of, of, of good people and you subject them to death uh, via starvation, and they no longer care to participate in societal norms. And that includes, like, throwing prime minister's uh, trucks into waterways or burning down uh, a prime minister's house. And I do not blame them at all. But this is why we should be thankful we live in America, because... 
Uh, shoot on site orders issued to quell Sri Lanka riots. Uh, Sri Lankan authorities issued shoot on site orders on Tuesday to quell further unrest that has been uh, that has seen buildings and vehicles set ablaze a day after the island was rocked by the deadly violence and rioting. Uh, with thousands of security forces enforcing a cur- uh, curfew, the defense ministry said the troops have been ordered to shoot on site anyone looting public property or causing harm to life. On Monday, government supporters attacked with sticks and clubs, uh, demonstrators in Colombo pr- protesting peacefully for weeks over a dire economic crisis and demanding President uh, Gadabaya's Rajapaksa's resignation. Uh, mobs then retaliated across the country late into the night, torching dozens of homes of ruling party politicians and trying to storm the prime minister's official residence in the capital. Uh, police said Tuesday eight people had died. Protests continued on Tuesday despite the curfew, with some people defying the shoot on site order to torch buildings and vehicles. Luxury hotel said it belonged to Rajapaksa's Pak- uh, relative was set on fire on Tuesday evening in the edge of the uh, Sin Haraj rainforest. And the police shot to the air two locations as first mob trying to burn vehicles. And it goes on and on and on about the catastrophe that is Sri Lanka. And I just wanted to bring that up to point out that this is what happens when you do those types of things that, that lack uh, a critical, I wouldn't even say critical thinking. This just lacks common sense, like forcing an entire nation to become an organic crop producing country. And, uh, and then people begin starving to death and you wonder, and you wonder why everybody's so upset. And then what's even more insane is to, Hey, let's suppress the amount of writing that takes place by just shooting on site. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, Matt, this is why I am an absolute advocate for the second amendment. Absolutely. And the second amendment is not for hunting. The second amendment is not even for defending your own property against intruders, trespassers, and attackers. The second amendment is actually the final defense against tyranny because essentially Sri Lanka is a military dictatorship. That is Sri Lanka. And uh, how do you have a military dictatorship? You have a disarmed populace. That's the that's the most important thing. How else can you then tell people your fertilizers and your pesticides are going away? You are going to do it subsistence style. And do you know what is adding to the starvation and the and the chaos in Sri Lanka? What's this? Okay. Sri Lanka used to be an exporter of commodities such as tea. But Mm -hmm. under the organic-only order, they cannot even export that. Therefore, uh, the country has essentially defaulted on all loans and obligations. And in fact, uh, I saw a headline somewhere that said, that Sri Lanka only had like a one day's day day of, of gas, gasoline, gasoline yeah. left left in the country, and that is what happens. For example, where say Matt, 
we shut down all of the corn and soybean farms in the United States and all of the cotton farms in the United States with an edict like that, what would happen if we did that? And all of the wheat fields, shut them down too. I mean, Demay, Demay, you're 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 looking at the camera with. I'm not gonna lie, a lot more disgust than I typically see you have on your face. Yeah. I, I, you know, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the conversations that took place of how you know in the agriculture piece i think was just the straw that broke the camel's back i mean if you go back and look at the history of this yeah. country it is an absolute just fucking mess and yeah. to to then take away let's not just you know the, the blackouts aside right you can live without power for a couple of days if you really had to but the food situation and the repression from the government I mean, how did they think this was going to end? And so, I, I here's here's my only hope is that in the vacuum that these situations create, right? Uh, how often do we see a better situation turn out in the end? I don't know the stats, but I'm going to say it's maybe fifty fifty. <laughs> maybe actually, actually, slim to none, slim to none because. Unfortunately, here's what I've come to realize. There are some localities where, for whatever reason, the people themselves, they are just so accustomed to repression and a centralized government that they don't know a different life at all. Uh, they don't know that, uh, they don't, Stockholm they don't know syndrome, like like Stockholm syndrome, exactly. Because yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, because these these people here, they have not known anything other than an oppressive government. They have not known anything other than absolute misery and poverty, and. That, that's all they know. And the only thing till now that has kind of kept it reasonably tolerable is, as I said, at least Sri Lanka, up until the organic edict, at least they had some measure of sustenance and prosperity because Sri Lankan tea and rubber, for example, is extremely valuable. You know, it's a commodity. It's an internationally traded commodity, right? And because you have that commodity, that then becomes currency. It's like, hey, we need uh, gasoline. You got it. I mean, because uh, guess where a lot of tea went or used to go back in the day? Russia. You know, you could trade tea for petroleum with Russia and China. And you shut that off. 
what do you have left? Uh, you just have a bunch of burning cars and uh, burning ho- burning buildings now. That's all you got left, Nat. Exactly. You 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 have a a populace that is in full fledged panic and uh, deservedly mm-hmm. so because they're starving and uh, and it's a and it's a terrible thing. And I hope hope everybody listening understands that you know we. We crack jokes and stuff, and, and some of this stuff is really, really, really serious. And, uh, and you know, we, we use DeMay's line in jest that, you know, people are going to die. And, uh, but, but, you know, please understand are. the seriousness about this, that this is not, this is not just not joking, something that. He's not that joking is, about this now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's not in a not magazine joking. somewhere in the distant, wherever. Like, this is happening right now in this century in our lifetime where we've got children who uh, you know are coming up in the world and there there is a, there is a, a there are countries multiple countries right now around the world where people are literally starving to death and uh and meanwhile you know we're fortunate enough to be able to go to uh the cheesecake factory right now and eat you know to our, our fucking heart's content now, well and i'm i'm just saying that to point you, out that everyone should take a moment to to be there's a good breath there's a good breath <laughs> <laughs> to be reflective about, you know, how how thankful we should be, and what one for um, the opportunity we have, and uh, and and two to, to be appreciative of the, the system that that we're in, because uh, you know we don't, we are not starving to death. Now, if we do start starving to death, then you know I hope everybody would join me in uh, in setting fires and and throwing politicians' cars in water because. I'll be right there at the front line doing it, and I'll I will I will gladly do so, and, and they'll have to kill me, and I'll be fine with that. But uh, until then, you know, <laughs> we can be reflective of what's what's going on in the world. Um, now to to add a little bit a little bit more, uh, not necessarily good news, but uh, I I would say that this isn't necessarily bad news. Uh, elevated fertilizer prices remain. Uh, UN is in talk to restore Ukrainian grain exports. And so basically what they're saying is, is that, uh, yeah, fertilizer prices are still high. Um, it's, it's not in this parabolic price increase week over week that we were seeing beforehand. Um, you know, some things are touching new highs, right? You know, MAP is still, uh, and DAP are still floating around there at all time highs. Um, and hydrous ammonia is still, you know, but anhydrous ammonia is still pushing at all-time highs. Urea seems to have stabilized. It seems like a thousand a ton for the time being is going to be the new normal. Uh, UAN twenty-eight and UAN thirty-two. This looks like to be at least for right now the new normal uh, for what we can expect from that. Um, and I, you know, it's as crazy as it is. This may be the new uh, potash price we see too. Is you know going to be somewhere around nine hundred a ton. So it has been here around this for uh, quite a while now for at least a month or two uh and, and relatively stable around these prices which is um uh, and it's crazy to think about uh that you know this time two years ago uh, i was bringing in red potash by the truckload retail at 268 dollars a ton and uh and now it's at 886 dollars and 50 cents a ton retail um that is bonkers absolutely bonkers um but i you know i again this this is realistically probably is the new normal now and and you know a little bit here with uh ukrainian open up uh grain exports (laughs) 
they're in talks to open up grain exports. And uh, again, shout out to our boy, Standard Grain. Thank you, Demay, for, for bringing this guy into my life because it's someone I watch every morning. That is like my new routine. When I take a shower in the morning, I turn on Standard Grain and listen to what he's got to say. And uh, and he was talking about this, and he said, really, the deal that they're trying to put together to open up Ukrainian grain exports is a win for Ukraine and not uh, is there's not really anything that they're giving up to make Russia more uh, apt to participate in this. So right now it's a, it's a good theoretical thing on paper and the likelihood of it evolving beyond just a paper thing is relatively low right now. So, you know, it is what it is. They're in talks. Great, but it doesn't look like the deals are even worth uh, really pursuing. Um, Another thing that we uh, uh, talked about last week and I <laughs> and the week before is this whole thing with Lake George Park Commission and over using a selective herbicide to control invasive species up in Vermont. So originally they were considering doing this because they have a bad problem with Eurasian milf oil, which is incredible to begin with because Whoever has a problem with Eurasian milf oil is clearly racist or something um, <laughs> because there's nothing wrong with that. It, but the. <laughs> I, am I, should I bleep that? I did not. I probably shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> was that was said it okay? what? Was it too much? The, I don't know. I should probably. Eurasian milf oil? Yeah. That's, that's, that's I said, I said, if you got a problem with that, that's racist. I mean, everybody loves <laughs> milfs. Oil. <laughs> it's, it's good, right? Oh, unless it's uh, unless it's in your pond. Unless, unless it's in your pond. Um. So they sued to block this from happening, and uh, and now the the judge has stepped in and is like, uh, nope, we're we're putting a, a stop to this, and uh, we're you know so. Now it's totally up to the courts, and uh, and I, I can't wait to see what gets put up in front of here. To uh, to, to it's going to be the, the number one. Who on the court is going to be making the decision? Are they going to bring in a jury to make this decision? Is it going to be up to the judge to make the decision? I don't know. I don't know how the courts work. And uh, Jesse, maybe Jesse can give us some inside information on here. It would be it would be great. Um, but it's again embarrassing. I was really getting hot and heavy last week saying this lady is an absolute moron, the, the one who started this. And I, and I will, I want to follow up this week and just, I maybe want to dial it back a little bit compared to last week and just say that she is, no, I'm just kidding. She's a fucking moron. This is the weirdest hill to die on. I, I, I do not understand. And what and maybe it's just poor reporting, and I and I and I deserve the blame here. Maybe it's poor reporting, but I cannot figure out. I cannot figure out what she thinks the appropriate alternative action plan is, because in one instance you've got dying, dead, dead waterways due to oxygen depletion due to the uh, Eurasian milfoil going uh, dormant, and then on the other hand is that you sacrifice a bit of the good to get rid of the bad. So the good has the opportunity to proliferate and you don't have dying waterways. To me, 
unless there's some sort of action plan here that that looks really good for allowing the Eurasian milfoil to continue to proliferate and starve waterways that has not been presented to me yet, then then this is all for farce. And it's nothing more than just a circle jerk of being like, look how, look how, look how much I care. Look how much I care. You don't care enough. I'm the one who cares because I don't Matt, use the bad word chemical. Matt, it seems that the anti-pesticide movement is all about virtue signaling. Okay? Their position is that because I don't use herbicides, I am superior. And again, I see this shit in my state all the time. Okay? I am up to my eyeballs in invasive species. And there's nothing done about them because, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. And... For Christ's sake, I am not talking about releasing arsenic in the environment. No, I'm talking about using EPA-approved, and in fact, a lot of the herbicides now used for invasive species controlled, do you know that they have the EPA designation of reduced risk, Matt? Yeah. And I know know that's... that's an important thing too to, to to take a look at is that now you, you know that yeah because I do when, understand when I, that some pressure forces the evolution of these things right and and I get that and and you know mm-hmm. we have to be adaptive of it and evolve and all that fun stuff as well mm-hmm. and now we've got the designation of reduced risk Demay actually has probably taught me more about reduced risk than anybody has uh, because I know that's you know, something he has to navigate in frequently uh, when well, you have, have people using sports fields you know well I I do it. Uh, too voluntarily because oftentimes, Matt, I'm making applications in, number one, residential areas, or number two, uh, near bodies of water or waterways, okay? I, I am uh, very thoughtful, you know, of of things like that. So I am familiar with the reduced risk designation and some of the reduced risk chemistry is actually rather good. Like, for example, flumioxazin, reduced risk. Triclopyr, reduced risk. Uh, aminopyrrolid, reduced risk. And you know what? Those happen to be bang-up outstanding herbicides for invasive species control. Figure that out. <laughs> Demay, you j- just sent a link here, and this is something I'm going to watch. He has found a uh, the Lake George Park Commission meeting. Uh, this is going to be the one from April where this kind of whole thing kicked off. And that means just, they probably have another one coming up soon, too. And uh, yep. and I, I, lo- I look forward to, to checking this out because surely, surely, to goodness, she's going to have an action plan here, right? Yeah. Okay, what does uh, what does the lady intend to do about the Eurasian milfoil infestation? Um, 
because uh, Matt, not too long ago, I was witness here to what I'm going to call an epic clusterfuck regarding invasive species in a body of water. Can you imagine tropical salvinia blanketing an entire lake? In in I'm I'm going to still- Boy meets lawn here that, you know, this is, you know, when we're tackling the issue of invasives, we're, we're not dropping tons of, of chicken shit into, into the, into the, uh, the, the lake behind the house, like Lake House Lawn Care did. This is an actual targeted aquatic herbicide done so to solve a major problem that's creating, uh, uh, that's leading to real consequences in waterways, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, Basically, if you do not control that aquatic weed, you will have ecological disaster. And, okay, here's the most ridiculous clusterfuck thing I've ever seen. Imagine mechanically harvesting several tons of vegetation from a lake. But you're not, okay, yeah, you go in, you harvest several tons of vegetation from a lake. That's fine. But it's going to grow back? Yeah, yeah, it's going to grow back because I'm imagining that all you needed to to do and say bye-bye to, you know, Salvinia, which also has this very cute name, they call it water lettuce. Mm. Okay, they call it water lettuce. All you'd have to do is just a few ounces per acre of flumioxazin mm. and water lettuce, but lettuce bye bye, and not to grow back either. <laughs> Demay, you've been you've been playing uh, a doctor in the background here, putting together all kinds of of snippets and stuff. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you unpacked here, because this is exactly why I am being so mean to this lady. Uh, so the, the chemistry that they're using, right, is a very new chemistry that, uh, basically is an oxen mimic, right? So just Mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, any of our, yeah, like two forty. Actually, I know that highly purified formulations of triclopyr are relatively benign in an aquatic environment. Certain highly purified amine formulations of triclopyr, they are not considered, you know, waterway pollutants or aquatic hazards. And in that context, triclopyr is fairly selective in that it will target the broadleaf vegetation in a waterway and leave everything else alone. Algae, plankton, etc. is spared. Grasses that happen to be growing on the water's edge also spared. So I wouldn't have a horrible 
you know, fit about somebody applying aquatic label triclopyr, for example, to weeds growing in a lake. Not really. Yeah, but but I mean, you know, we're looking here, we're talking about a hundred milligrams per liter. I mean, that's that's a pretty so it is, it is practically non-toxic to, to fish on an acute basis. Okay. A hundred. So if we're talking about a hundred milligrams per liter, uh, uh-huh. that's a pretty, that's a pretty hefty rate. That's a lot. That, you know what, Matt? Most of these oxen type herbicides in water. Imagine a couple parts per million being enough to do the job. Yeah. Exactly. You don't need a lot. You don't need a lot. I mean, if you do enough to make the fish or the aquatic invertebrates sick, uh, you've grossly overdosed the product. You know, you've grossly overdosed, and it's like, uh, oh, man, uh, you know, I, I think you uh, set your, your spreader on, what is that, F for fired? <laughs> All right, Demay has put up a uh, has found a uh, a fact sheet here for us. Walk mm-hmm. us walk us through walk us through what we're looking at here. So, uh, just in looking in this this particular uh, AI or active ingredient, you know, <laughs> this is meant to treat uh, you know uh, bodies of water that are very sensitive, right? Whether it be for uh, drinking water for fish for vertebrates like uh ducks stuff like that waterfowl and so it's very very safe in that sense and so um you're looking through here a couple of things so it talks about um one it's in a highly effective tool for eurasian water milfoil so there's mm-hmm. that other thing too is that so there are no restrictions on swimming, eating fish, and feeding water bottles or using water for drinking water. So what they found is that uh, this also says this is important for us and something you got to be careful of if you do apply aquatic pesticides. This is a a mini Jonas turf, but uh, there is no restriction for irrigation of turf with this water. So if you're treating a okay. pond that you also use for irrigation, you're you're safe. Some people and- have made that mistake before. Okay, and Matt, you see this fluoroperoxifen benzyl chemistry? Yes. That is in the same, that's a similar moiety to haloxifen. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Rinscore technology. So this is the new generation of highly pure synthetic oxen type herbicides this is the new this is the new generation because naturally matt did you know what used to be used for aquatic weed control in the past yeah i i mean there's everything we use in lawns i have seen with an aquatic label on it before so uh all the two days and everything else so yeah exactly exactly in the day uh, there was actually aquatic label 2,4-D, and my understanding is is that you may still apply 2,4-D amine as an aquatic herbicide. You can still do it. Don't drink <laughs> the pond water that's been treated with well, 
well, Too don't the touch end. the pond water that's been treated. <laughs> Easer. All right, so it was a, a, a couple of uh, other quick points here from the article. It has a half-life, about one to six days. Uh, the clearer the water, it's it's broken down by light, so photodegradation, so the, you know, the clearer the lake is, right? It's probably another uh, reason to not dredge it. Yep. Who knows what's on the bottom of these of this lake, right? That you're dredging up. Mm-hmm. That's another yeah. whole issue in and of itself. Channel worms. Uh, toxicity tests conducted with rainbow trout, fathead minnow, water fleas, amphipod, 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 mm-hmm. snails uh, indicate that uh, it is not toxic to these species. EPA included there's or included there is no risk for non-target wildlife and is considered practically non-toxic to bees, birds reptiles, amphibians, and mammals. Does also also does not accumulate uh, or bioaccumulate in fish or fresh water due to the rapid metabolism and the uh, chemical depuration. So, human health. Last one here. Identified no risk or concern to human health since there are no adverse acute or chronic effects, including a lack of carcinogenicity or mutagenicity uh, were observed and submitted toxicological studies. So, this sounds like wrapping this up here. The safest thing that they can possibly use yes. to manage the situation yes. that they're in. And I, yeah. you know what? Here's here's my thing, and I don't know. I, I'm going to have to do a deep dive. This, this is going to be on our radar, this, gentlemen. I'm going to go ahead and call it. This has just officially entered. Our shit list. It's on the list now. We're going to be monitoring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine. Let's see here. What What is this? This is Lake St. George in New York. Lake, Lake George. Uh, yeah, Lake but it's George. on the, it's on the, it's on the line with Vermont, this particular waterway here. I think, I think it separates uh-huh. two areas. And it's, and it's the people of Vermont that are, that, uh, they're losing their minds. But it's just two areas of this lake, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Like yes. Two little bays. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like a yes. seven acre area and then one maybe a little bit bigger, like nine acres or something like that. Well, the the thing is is that so uh-huh. would these people prefer that the Eurasian milfoil then spreads until the entire lake is choked with this stuff? I mean what? I because see, I see a lot of docks. And houses on this fucking lake. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but now I'm out. I'm out. Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've 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 run out of time on the headlines, but you know this is the the point here is that uh we listen when you we get a hard on for you rest in peace because uh we will not be resting. <laughs> we will be digging into you with every available inch that we have. Uh, there was one more thing that we were going to cover in the headlines and that uh, uh, France and they're, they're facing record heat right now and their wheat is losing quality day by day. And, uh, and that's just going to put even greater pressure on the wheat market, which is already in just an absolute catastrophe because of everything that's going on in Ukraine and Russia and then other areas have been struggling. And so it's just it's, it's another compounding issue. So if you sold all your wheat contracts so far, don't hang on to them a little bit longer until harvest data comes in from here and then sell it because uh, I'm sure the harvest data from France is going to be terrible. Um, let's point go, of, to, oh, go, uh-huh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. No, no, no. you can damn it. Demay, do it. I was going to say, as I saw a quick, uh, a quick fact 
uh, this past week. Ukraine wheat exports down 64% from a year ago. Ouch. Uh, one, two, three, sixty-four. That's that's a big number. That's like uh, yeah, big dip, and that, especially when it's uh, you know, it was a pretty high number to begin with. Like so, sixty-four uh-huh. percent of a lot is still a lot. That's a that's anyway. Uh, okay, guys, should I like be an ACT problem? Freaked out because okay, right now my cheap dinner is fettuccine alfredo that's my cheap dinner ray you should be freaked out and it's not just because of the wheat situation it's because of what we're going to be covering on joe knows turf (laughs) (laughs) joe knows turf Hi, I'm Joe. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today because Joe knows turf. With the end of the song, that means it's uh, let's let's check out what Demay has planned for us this week on <laughs> Joe knows turf. Soil probe. The bigger, the thicker the screwdriver, no pun intended, the better off you're going to be with telling if you have too much or too little soil. You're just going to use a medium push into the soil to see how deep it goes, and you're going to measure and (laughs) mark. Now listen, the one thing that caught me off guard there was how much soil we have. I don't know if that means, like, remember the swimming pool, and if you fill it up with soil and, and the water and... There's less soil in it. I don't know when that, who that was from, or what that was about. But I just remember that at some point was a a Jonas Turfex. Okay, go ahead. Where it organically stops. Now, if you're in a situation like we are here on this lawn where it is bone dry, my suggestion is to start watering daily for the next five to six days. We want to try to get six inches of water penetrating into the soil, we want to make sure that the water isn't just sliding off the top. So you want to do smaller increments of 10 to 15 minutes per cycle in the equivalent of about 45 minutes per day on average. So in this instance where it is all brown, I would take it one step further. I would use a biostimulant like Essentials Plus 101 to help bring it out of its funk as well as a fertilizer service. Now in regards to the fertilizer, as long as you're using a quicker release or somewhere around the bag number between 18 and 32, you're gonna be just fine at the label rates. Holy Reason number two is there isn't a sufficient amount. Would you recommend, Matt, we'll we'll discuss the content in a minute. I just wanna know, uh, would you recommend for the fertilizer service, would you recommend hand service or would you like to see that motorized like on a permagrain? Maybe with a couple of D batteries. In it. I don't know. Play it. Of nitrogen in the Mom soil. and dad are making margaritas again. A little bit harder to tackle or harder to recognize because of the fact that it takes a soil. Why is there a, two to be sure? is there a 220 now, volt per- plug in the bedroom? <laughs> 
personally <laughs> love using a soil test because it tells us exactly what is happening. And I use a product called My Soil to keep it simple. Now, another sure test sign is dog urine spots are greener, darker, richer than the rest of the lawn. Now, my lawn is a fantastic proving ground for this theory because my dog just hangs out in the backyard and he likes to pee in the same spot. Now, this is where Royce is doing his business and you can see it's almost three inches higher over the course of a couple of weeks than the rest of the lawn. Now, this is just because the urine is just like fertilizer. It's acidic. It pulls the pH down into the growing medium of the grass, causes it to grow. Sure tell sign. This is what? lack of nitrogen. Now, the good news is, is if you can recognize wait, this. Wait, 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 wait. The on. mental gymnastics that took place right there was so extraordinary. Why? Why do we send athletes to the Olympics when we've got this kind of mental gymnastics here being bred and fostered in the United States? Simone Biles, you are a real treat to watch, but you don't have shit on my boy here that just pulled <laughs> out a double backhand spring, triple trifecta flip and whatever and nailed it, sweetheart. Absolutely nailed it from top to bottom to pH to fertilizer. That was a win in every, however you measure wins. That was spectacular. Bullshit. Let's do that again real quick. Let's go back real quick. Into the growing medium of the grass, causes it to grow. Sure tell sign. This is lack of nitrogen. Now, the good news is, is if you can... Can you, uh, Ray, wait, wait. can you quick, go back can you a little that? bit further where he creates this scenario of pH manipulation and acidic urine, and that is how we've unpacked a nitrogen deficiency. Greener, darker, richer than the rest of the lawn. Now, my lawn is a fantastic proving ground for this theory because my dog just hangs out in the backyard and he likes to pee in the same spot. Now, this is where Royce is doing his business, and you can see it's almost three inches higher over the course of a couple of weeks than the rest of the yeah. lawn. Now, this is just because the urine is just like fertilizer. It's acidic. It pulls the pH down into the growing medium of the grass, causes just it like to grow. Just like fertilizer, sure and it's acidic? Uh, bullshit. Total, absolute bullshit, because urine typically contains approximately 1% urea. And so it is like a fertilizer, but it is like a fertilizer, but then that has got absolutely nothing to do with the pH of the urine because urine pH in healthy mammals is typically between 6 and seven it is not acidic because if it were acidic it would be burning old royce's dick on its way out <laughs> okay ray ray <laughs> is that hey how else do you think the rocket becomes red ray saying. <laughs> all right let's play this let's play it real quick this is lack of nitrogen now, the good news is, is if you can recognize this, you're one step away from greatness, Daddy and that's just putting down a fertilizer. 
Now, putting down a fertilizer at about one pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet, or at the recommended label rates, is best practice in this instant. Give it two to three weeks after proper watering. If your lawn isn't thick, lush, and full, you're going to want to do it again at the four-week mark and because again, it means you're low in again, nitrogen. Now, my again. situation where I have a severe lack again. of nitrogen, I'm not as concerned, to be honest with you, because having a lack of nitrogen doesn't mean that I'm not going to have good color. It just means Pause. the grass isn't going to grow. For those of you listening in podcast format, there is not a severe lack of nitrogen. The turf is green. It looks healthy. It's fine. Royce has just taken a lot of pisses on it. That's it. Go on. Yeah, I mean, his poor dog got got to go. I mean, and uh, got nothing to do with it. It doesn't burn either. And, and by the way, if somebody were to keep on blasting a, a cool season lawn, going into summer with three quarter to one pound of nitrogen per month, going through through the hot season, uh, I'm going to place bets on how well that lawn does because you're basically making the grass grow or trying to make the grass grow at a time when it naturally doesn't want to grow because the grass is trying to go dormant and conserve resources during the heat. This is like... Yeah. Me not Tough sleeping. Time. Yeah, this is like me not sleeping for an entire week and instead uh, staying awake on French roast. <laughs> not good. Uh, you've, this is, uh, you know, taking the Adderall away for that all-nighter and instead saying, hey, you know what? We're going to fill you up with six inches of booze, right? You know, mm-hmm. one inch a day for the next six days. And then we need you to clay clear the mirror with all this cocaine right here and let's see how it or, goes or or better yet uh i just go unreal hey, hey sheila uh i, I want to borrow the glass pipe oh boy <laughs> now wait listen uh now listen last week last week if you tuned in there was uh there was an article about you know using uh urine as a fertilizer and I've got to ask because we do have uh, on you know sort of on the panel we have a we have a liquid fertilizer expert in Perry and Perry do you think that instead of human urine that we should be using dog urine to fertilize? I would advise anybody who's thinking of doing this not. See, I knew that he would say that because I think he does love dogs and and I'm with him. That would be cruel to animals. We shouldn't do that. Let's see if anything else uh, that uh, Ginja has to tell us here real quick. As much. So if you don't want the grass growing a ton, you don't need a ton of nitrogen. Simple as that. Now on the flip side, if your lawn is in a funk and you have lack of nitrogen, you need nitrogen to give it that boost to kick it out of a funk. Now the third reason why your lawn may or may not be growing properly may be due to a lawn fungus. Now causation is commonly over watering. So getting your soil probe out and seeing if you've got too much water in the lawn is the best course of action. Now the second thing you're gonna wanna do is to peel the grass open to see, check the individual blades. Now this lawn is a great example. With Kentucky bluegrass, it's really common if you overwater, you're gonna get some melting out fungus. What I'm trying to show you is, is 
it just but you starts know what? to melt out. If you water like tips are every yellow. day, but if you water yeah, every they're... day, uh, you're going to probably be overwatering. I mean, he he just contradicted himself. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah the whole the whole video contradicted himself. So anyway, listen, Ginja, if you watch this, if you take it personal, don't just get better, dude, and find out uh, you know how to not get on Jono's turf. Go ahead and play that outro for us. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, wait, I just, I want to say that it's a common thing. If anybody is out there and, and is, is, is looking for, for guidance and uh, especially if you're a business owner and, and you know, you know, he, I'm, I'm sure he, he has a business that he does it for a living and stuff too. Um, I can wholeheartedly recommend you never take any advice or uh, any of the recommendations put forth by him. And it, it, uh, if you want another example of case in point, why that should continue to be at the forefront of what you consider as how to not be uh, while you're out in the field, it would be the time that he visited Hawaii to um, uh, diagnose <laughs> Bermuda grass that had been recently treated with an herbicide to eliminate sedge, probably sulfentrazone, and it had very clear uh, dying sedges in it and discoloration of the Bermuda due to the use of a PPOI. And uh, and and uh, he diagnosed it as disease and therefore a fungicide was needed. And it was just a horrifically embarrassing thing to look at because it was so very clear. There was another video where he had Bermuda in the yard and he couldn't figure out what weed it was. Uh, and then there was another one where he was he was licking glyphosate off his finger. So, again, if you're looking for some sort of mentor or uh, spirit animal in this space uh, that you can that you can collect good information from, I can promise you. Uh, if you hang around here long enough, it's just going to turn you into an asshole. Uh, not necessarily anything else other than that. Uh, but <laughs> I can say wholeheartedly, please, Lord, avoid that at all cost. Um, great segment. Um, we, we, yeah, I guess we'll hit that for now. Uh, just to be clear, there never was an outro with that. Oh, well, sorry. Wow, it's, it's well, good to hear it. We're just going to do a repeat of the intro. <laughs> Jono's Turf! That was so hard for me not to say the word. I was trying so hard to keep I my, watched myself together. I, I watched intently, and I've studied your facial expressions like an FBI profiler. And there were at least three instances that I saw that I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to do it. I was just waiting for it. it it's so bad. I, I've, I've, I've yet, I, I do like his diagnostics where he walks through and he does it, the tug test and he checks more. So whatever, whatever. I, I like, I like the, 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 the premise, the concept of, of his testing protocol, the execution of his testing protocol is some of the most grotesque content on YouTube lawn care that is out there. Um, it's horrific time and time again. And then case in point, we, we really double down on it today with the, uh, uh, the, the uh, mental aptitude of acidic urine to draw in additional nitrogen into the plant to make it three inches taller was just unbelievable. The show this week is brought to you by Lawn Supply Company. Um, I'm so embarrassed from the Joe Knows Turf segment. 
go to RyanNorLawnCare.com and uh, check out the lawn supply company stuff. Green RSP is back in stock. Well, will be tomorrow. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, it'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> it's been it's been flying. We, I mean, it's just been so difficult to keep up with because it's very difficult to package, if you could imagine. And uh, and it's been absolutely flying. And uh, it's it's interesting. We've been we've been playing with a lot and on uh, on the, the golf courses. And uh, getting really good feedback about that. Most recently, we added ammonium sulfate to the line, too, in a soluble form. Very, very fine material. And, uh, you know, that was as cheap as we could do it. You know, we're a small company. And uh, uh, Ryan's clearly a small company, too. And uh, you know, there's not there's not a lot of margin in there. So, uh, but, you know, it's it's ammonium sulfate. It's 20 pounds. And, uh, and you know, this is delivered right to your door. And if you want to make spoon feed applications of ammonium sulfate. I'm not normally... I'm not really doing a good job of selling lawns black company right now. And I'm, and it's because it's allow because, me to okay, real quick. Okay. Nowhere else in America right now. Can you get ammonium sulfate ship to your door, pick it up in your underwear, and then without ever putting on pants, go out and apply it in your underwear too. Lawnsupplycompany.com. Only place that you can do that. Ammonium sulfate in your underwear to your lawn. And you don't even have to piss on it. Because the ammonium sulfate does it for you. It, it, what's interesting about this is ammonium sulfate actually is acidic, and ammonium sulfate is not found in urine. As a matter of fact, um, no. You you know what it is? Take mix. Yay. <laughs> Urea. Wait, and wait, wait. What's the creatinine? That yeah. is what's actually found in urine, and those nitrogen-bearing materials in water are mostly neutral. They are neutral. Uh, on the other hand, ammonium sulfate dissolved in water will produce a pH of 5.5. Mm-hmm. It will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh. and, and so, so, so my question is, is uh, okay, Ginger, what are you doing such that Royce's <laughs> air Race is peeing out ammonium sulfate what are you doing to your doggy? I mean, ASPCA wants to know. <laughs> he, I just he, wanted to know what the solubility point of uh, ammonium sulfate in urine is. We should test that. That sounds like a good science fair project. I can figure that, out that would be. I can see the th- the three panel like cardboard thing, and yeah. No, our hypothesis is I can mix enough ammonium sulfate into my own piss mm-hmm. to make a pretty good fertilizer. You know. And then we can talk Actually, about all the different things that you could drink to make better piss. You know, is it, uh, you know, you're drinking Gatorade? Do you maybe have like some papaya juice? You know, something a little fancier, cranberry like juice. You know, uh, or, or I mean, it, or is it just a whole bunch of draft beer from Hooters and it's that big, disgusting, yellow, foamy beer piss the next morning? How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. Speaking speaking of the Hooters draft uh, next day feeling got a, got a, got a story uh, let's, let's cover let's cover this week's burns oh yeah that because uh, i know uh, that's kind of lingering yeah it's almost <laughs> it like, is it's my it's my urine carbonated that feels really strange on the way out it's acidic it's acidic matt <laughs> just just, it's just acidic. lean up against the wall take the laid off your legs and let it fly baby 
close close your eyes and just pretend oh, yeah. the events of last night never occurred. And then you know your significant <laughs> other comes in. Why is there piss all over the wall? Uh, <laughs> because I uh, love you, honey. That's why. I thought I you liked it like that. Anything. Yikes. Even remotely <laughs> bizarre the night before. Speaking of remotely bizarre, I saw this story earlier today, and I was glad it made it into the show notes uh, because this is this is really interesting. Um, we were talking last week on Jono's Turf about someone who applied a 10x label rate uh, because they, re- they refused to consult the label. They remembered a five. And opted to apply, you know, something along the lines of uh, uh, five ounces per thousand square feet or five ounces per acre of uh, metsofuron methyl. And uh, we talked about how what happened if, you know, if, if you, you you do that as a lawn care operator or whatever, and then, you know, you, you walk into a world of hurt, right? Well, turns out there was an LCO that had this happen. Uh, what's the deal with dead lawns across Sioux Falls? Company plans to fix mistakes soon, owner says. So there is a uh, a company here, and I've never, ever named a company this, by the way. It is Cut and Kill Lawn Care, the K's. Um, and they had a little accident with how they mixed up a tank. And in all no, likelihood. No, 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 no. It wasn't just one tank. This went on for like over two weeks. Yeah. Uh, 302, uh, lawns were treated. So this is multiple, uh, I mean, this is like, this is bad. And if I had to guess, if I had to guess, and, and by the way, if there's anything that's taught me right here, the coverage is terrible. Um, I know it said the person who, who did this, you know, was a 25 year veteran. They should have a better surprise better, motherfucker, a better, a better spring. <laughs> pattern than what's demonstrated here um but (laughs) he'll be back he'll be back um if i had to guess what happened is there was a container that was being used to hold glyphosate um that was not labeled as glyphosate and it got picked up by someone and mixed into a batch tank that went into all the technicians' trucks to go out and make applications. And when that happens, this is the result. Um, Actually, I have an alternate theory, Matt. That's okay, close what to is the glyphosate one. What would happen if somebody mistook quick pro soluble granules for prodiamine granules? Oh, that's a good point. No, what would happen? Because my understanding is is that right now would would probably be spring pre-emergent time, right? And if somebody saw a jug of yellow granules, they would think, man, you know, this goes in, you know, pound per acre equivalent and that would be enough to smoke stuff because quick pro is actually pretty nasty. But anyway, this is why, Matt, do you know why I obsessively read a label before I pour anything into a sprayer? So this mistake doesn't happen. Yeah, because a long time ago in the 1990s, I did something like that to myself. Sure. No, you know what I did? 
because I didn't closely read the label, I grabbed a bottle of Ornamec instead of a bottle of Super Trimec. Mm, yep. And, and, and uh, that and, definitely you know lit some the, things up. No, the only thing that saved me is I was most of the way done spraying the lawn, right? And I was wondering, why don't I have that weird stench of 2,4-D and dicamba from the Super Trimic, and instead I have that rotten mothball smell that Fluazifop normally has. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I thought, oh, shit. You ever saw me start turning on irrigation fast? And I was trying to water that stuff off of the grass before it actually absorbed and started killing everything. And with the and with Flazifop, you don't have a lot of time because theoretically an effective amount is absorbed into the grass within an hour. And I did this to a half acre turf area. <laughs> it happens. It happens to everybody. And this is this is why the people that choose to pick up a few lawns on the side or whatever, and then it gets a little bigger, a little bigger, just get the, you know, get your insurance. Uh, if you have to have a bond, get a bond because this guy's insurance is going to bail him out here. But, you know, and it has a quote in here where a guy said he got a quote on tilling up his 10,000 square foot yard and sodding it. It's going to be between six and $7,000. That didn't include the cost of water to water it in. Now, is that quote, you know, does it need to be tilled? No, it does not need to be tilled. And so I'm sure this will be shaken out. But if you could imagine 302 lawns. Um, and I don't know how many acres that's going to be, you know, we'll say they're, uh, you know, each 5,000 square feet, uh, 5,000 square feet times 302 lawns. That's uh, 1.5 million square feet. Uh, 35 that, yeah, uh, that's, that's a big number. And, uh, and if you, you, you math that out, that's, that's going to be a real, real, real hefty price tag. That right. Can I ask you to go back to the burns and put your tinfoil hats back on? Yes. <laughs> I listen. We are not we're not journalists, so we don't have to vet things the same way journalists do. But in reading uh, some of the things that were coming out, like in the comment section, apparently. They also, I'm not sure if they just install it or if they also grow it, but they also have operation. Wait, 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 wait. You cut out because the NSA clipped whatever you were saying there. Did, did you <laughs> they repeat also, it to me? They also install, at least install and possibly grow sod. Hmm. So... The thought there's a there's there's the conspiracy theory podcasts are out there and this isn't one of them. We're not even close. But actually, uh, actually, that, Ryan, that what is okay. Here's uh, here's what I frequently run up against. My typical competition here 
are also these rather large companies with a pretty substantial corporate structure. And they are also in the business of installing lawns and landscapes. And I had a conversation with a prospective customer last month about how because these big companies are in the business of installing lawns and landscapes and tearing out lawns and landscapes that have failed, their maintenance is such that the lawn and landscape declines in a few years and there is no incentive for them to do better. You know, I frequently joke about the bulldozer, right? I joke about that all the time on this show. However, mm-hmm. should I ever do anything such that a yard has to be scraped out with the bulldozer because I fucked up? Uh, that is my ass. Okay, that's my ass. So well, let me let me paint this picture for you, Ray. Okay, we're watching Law and Order, which, by the way, one of my favorite all time shows. I could watch Law you, and Order. You damn time. right. Mm-hmm. You damn all day right. long. And if you don't, if you're not uh, a Jack McCoy fan, as the best DA on that show, then you're a piece of shit. Get out of here. Just yeah. get out of here. Get out. Yeah. No. If you like, <laughs> if you want to go back and and like Ben Stone or any of those other guys, fine. That's for you. Jack McCoy, best DA ever. All right. So, Ray, the sod is the wife, and these customers' lawns are the husband, and the wife takes out a million-dollar insurance policy against those lawns just in case something bad happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Fortunate accident, maybe break, go out on the car, who knows, or maybe... You know, some hey. lawn jockey goes out there and, you know, smokes him with, with a, a with some steel quick green mat. Yeah, with some quick pro. And I'm also well, familiar with, with this story because I'm I'm fond of these, uh, you know, forensic mystery documentaries on, uh, you know, the Discovery Channel. I'm also familiar with... Multi-million dollar insurance policy on the husband. And why is there Prestone in the iced tea? <laughs> or... Is that, is, that, is that pre-mixed or no? Okay. <laughs> doesn't matter. Or why <laughs> is there thallium nitrate in the Coca-Cola? <laughs> Just saying, because, you know, you bring up something very important, because... Ray, deep knowledge of poisons and bombs. (laughs) Yeah, because here's the thing, is that now, you know, for a company that installs sod, what a, how shall I say... What a fortuitous turn of events because 
you know, what would happen if nobody wanted to buy their freaking sod, right? And they're just yeah. sitting on on fields and fields of this stuff, and nobody wants to buy it. And it's like, bloody hell, we we gotta we gotta move this stuff. We gotta move this material. And so, hey, most convenient thing I can think of is, what if you applied a pound per acre of Quick Pro rather than a pound per acre of Prodamine WDG? I'm just just asking for a friend. Now listen, Mission Impossible <laughs> 7 is slated to come out next year. But what if Mission Impossible 8 in 2025 is Mission Impossible, the ultimate burn in return? <laughs> John, I got a real serious question here. If we wanted to jumpstart a side farm business, you think you think we should spike some 24D with Quick Bro? I would advise anybody who's thinking of doing this not to. I would agree with you there. I think you're dead nuts on the money, cowboy. <laughs> um, Demay, I, can we put this one on the list too? Can we? Can we follow this? Can yeah. we get some inside yeah. baseball? I don't know where Sioux Falls is. Is that Wisconsin or somewhere up there in the uh, South North South Dakota? South Dakota. South Dakota. Well, I know we've got we've got some friends in North Dakota. I don't know if we do in South Dakota. Um, it tells you it tells you how geographically inclined there. I have no idea where Sioux Falls is, by the way. I thought it was in Wisconsin. It's it's not. It's in South Dakota. Well, you know when I you know when I first saw this headline, I'm trash. I I thought that another mistake would be made that involved air-ground herbicides. Okay, I I thought that that would be another possible mistake made because you know around. Oil field equipment, they normally require no vegetation around oil pipelines. They require no vegetation. So, Matt, what would happen if somebody accidentally, on purpose, put Sahara into the batch tank? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you'd well, be okay. dealing with what uh, we're, we're dealing with here. <laughs> Is it, uh, can we take? I, I, I want to confirm. Getting crazy. Yeah, I just want to confirm the details. But if it was really like as long as they said it was, how do you not know that you're running out of inventory of something that you shouldn't be running out of inventory of? I, I, I mean, I, I the, the here here's the moral of the story. The moral of the story is this: if you are an operator and if you have more than yourself as an employee, the oversight that you need to have and the trust that you need to have are two different things, right? You can trust somebody to a fault, but you have to watch over what they're doing. You can you have to watch over what they're doing. So, 100%. Well, well, you see... Trust but verify. I, Matt Martin yeah, slogan. My, my question, on his, yeah. 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 my question is, though, is with a lot of these supposedly large companies, though, or companies that treat a, yeah, a substantial oh, number of lawns, they basically, what, order up what they need for the spring, you know, round, right? And it's just there, and the mix tech is supposed to just take from that and use it. But 
what if, okay, what if that mixed tech didn't read before he poured whatever it is into the batch tank, right? Because didn't this happen at a university where somebody did Roundup instead of three-way? Yeah, that was in a, yeah, that was in Ohio. Right? Didn't somebody, like, uh, instead of applying or adding, you know, three-way to the, to the tank, they put in glyphosate. And again, that goes back to how easy it was for me to grab that bottle of uh, Ornamec, right? And you know what, Matt? Ornamic and super trimic look the same in the measuring cup. Listen, this this is actually a pretty common occurrence. And I'll give you another example. And I'm not going to say the company, but uh, uh, there was someone who was mixing a tree shrub tank and thought they were pouring in uh, propiconazole and was actually pouring in MSMA into the tree shrub tank and then made a day's worth of applications. And if you could imagine what that looked like and, you know, everything that went into it. And, uh, you know, luckily not as systemic of an issue as glyphosate would be right. Uh, but mm-hmm. definitely, uh, you know, a good defoliant in the, in the, uh, in the tree shrub world. Short so term. it's, it's not, Short it's term, not yeah. out. Yeah. It's not out of the, it's not, a, this happens and you know why it happened. It was because it was in a container that did not, uh, meet you know appropriate rules and regulations, right? That if it's not in the original container, you've got to have it marked and labeled and all that fun stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, and this wasn't; it was being operated on by memory. And someone with you know multiple decades of experience picked it up, opened it, smelled it, looked at it, called it good, measured it out, poured it in the tank, and went and you know made a uh, a thousand dollars worth of applications that day, and uh, you know had to had to install $60,000 worth of, of landscaping plants, you know, the, over, over the course of the next month or so. So it, it happens. Um, and Matt, you know, what saves what? me a lot of times. Tell me my, my sense of smell. Yeah. That's what's, that's what saves me because what made me stop what I was doing was that one lawn where instead of me smelling 2,4-D and dicamba, I smelled that, Fluezophop smell, and I thought, no, this is wrong. <laughs> Think about it, Ray. <laughs> that you know, it's it's pretty common in the industry that the guy who's been doing this for twenty years is mixing a mm-hmm. tank, and he's got a cigarette dangling from his lips while he's mixing his tank, and uh, and you know, smell is completely out of the question because you know you've probably had that same cigarette dangling from your lips for the last twenty years that you did when you made that application, and. And so you did, you, you don't, you don't pick up on those things. And, uh, and unfortunately this mm-hmm. is what happens. Um, gentlemen, let's try to bring some grace back into this <laughs> and talk about this week's returns. Uh, the first one here is the is a, is a little write up called the future of farming in California, and I, I actually do recommend everybody go and read this. And uh, and unfortunately, I put it in as a return. There's nothing redeeming about this. This is this is actually a very very sad thing to read about uh, the state of the union of agriculture in California right now, and uh, it is in major jeopardy. 
Um, there's a big issue with water and uh, and the drought that's going on there. Uh, there's a, a a big issue of of labor. Uh, there's a big issue of uh, age that is going on with it. And and the the crazy thing though is that the 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 demand for uh, the, the, the crop production that takes place there is as high as it's ever been and, uh, and will continue to grow. Uh, yet the, the region will not be able to continue to produce unless something, there is some, some stroke of luck some way or somehow, uh, to continue that. And that's one of the things that I see as very, very common in agriculture right now is, you know, we talk about the average age of people that are, that are owning or running these farms or, or the average age of a California farmer. Uh, is, uh, was 56.8 in 2002 and is 60.1 in 2012. And uh, who is going to take over that? Because I can tell you that what is happening right now is the allure of the tech world, the allure of STEM um, is drawing people away from, uh, you know, um, um, opportunities like agriculture or turf grass. And I, that's why I think it's so fascinating. Uh, I think you had the article that was talking about recruiting uh, STEM interested students into turf grass, uh, because it is very much a STEM career. And, uh, and I think the same thing, you know, needs to happen with, with agriculture because, um, as these people, and I hate to put it so bluntly die off, you know, this is, these are, this is libraries of data that is, that is also dying with it. Now, out with the old in with the new also means a, a new opportunity for moldable and coachable, uh, people to come on board uh, to, to be able to continue on the evolution of agriculture. Um, but it also means a lot of knowledge that's lost as well. And, uh, and so it will be very interesting and somewhat frightening from time to time to watch how this plays out. And I do recommend everybody go read that article. Uh, but the actual one is uh, we, got, we got a little, little Oklahoma state here talking about two new turf grass varieties. Demay, have you heard uh anything on the inside about this nothing i can share that nothing nothing what nothing i can share public but it's okay. uh it'll be good i'll just say that it'll be good and i and i believe that um uh you know o- oklahoma state is not known for uh being a uh uh, a bitch ass program. Um, there's, it's, it's, it's a great turf school, great turf program. And, uh, and now that they've moved into, uh, you know, developing, uh, Bermuda grass varieties and look at this, they're saying this will be their ninth and 10th Bermuda grass varieties since 1991. And, uh, and built with purpose like Tahoma 31, which, Hey, Ryan, how much experience do you have with Tahoma 31? A lot. Exactly. I mean, a lot. And, Ryan, what has your experience been with Tahoma 31 quinclorac aside? Uh, yeah, you got to watch the quinclorac on the uh, hybrid Bermuda grass. That's for sure. Okay. Not the, uh, because... not the not the common C O M M E N Bermuda grass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because uh, you know. I'm looking at all of these new varieties of Bermuda and you know what? They are just light years above what I had because 
let me tell you what I had as Bermuda varieties, you know, in the 1980s and the 1990s. I had 328. I had Tiftwarf. And I had 419. And you know what? Those grasses, if those were the only Bermudas left on this planet, I tell you what. I wouldn't use them. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. I wouldn't use them. I'm sorry. I wouldn't use them. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what changed my mind about Bermuda. Toma 31. Tiff Grand. Yeah. And, cele- and Celebration. Because you see... I had the world's worst experiences with 419 and 328 and Tiftdorf, okay? I had the worst experiences, and entire state of Hawaii had such a bad experience with Bermuda grass from that genre that there's a reason why, if I say Bermuda grass in the state of Hawaii, they want to run me out of town on rails. They want to run me out of town if I if I say Bermuda here. That's how I feel when people mention centipede grass. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, understood. But then the thing is, is that when I see Tahoma 31 or Tiff Grand, and I've had a chance to maintain a Tiff Grand turf area, I've, I've had a chance to maintain a celebration turf area and the experience of doing that is nothing like what I had to deal with on the 328 and the 419. Nothing like it. Okay. Nothing like it. I mean, it's just, Oh, for example, how's this one? If I'm dealing with Tiff grand or celebration, no need for Exteris. No need for Lexicon. The most I've mm. ever had to do to one of those grasses growing in my area is maybe a little bit of light dollar spot control. Light. I mean, I'm talking like low rates of eagle. Or a little bit of thirty three thirty six, and I'm done. It's nothing uh, strenuous. <laughs> no, I, I mean, so, it's good to see that the the breeding programs have been so strong, both on the cool and warm season side. And you know, you're seeing it. What you're seeing is that um, before, and we should do that time you know sort of a a dive back into improved genetics over time and sort of a history lesson of uh grasses that have been well touted and then have failed to live up to expectations uh, there are many of those ray you probably don't know of this but uh the c15 toronto bent grass if you're familiar with that i i know all uh, about one i heard i heard all about c15 uh Bent grass because that was the one that in the 1980s 
that C-15 bent grass had such a problem that the golf courses applied for an exemption to bring back phenyl mercuric acetate because phenyl mercuric acetate uh, was banned. Kills everything. No, but the golf courses asked for an exemption to be allowed to apply that because that PMA was the only thing that could control the disease that was killing the C-15 greens. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yep, the old bacterial wilt. So mm-hmm. I, long story short is this, is that uh, uh, the last uh, several grasses that have come out of Oklahoma State are absolute game changers, and I expect champs. Uh, that these will champs. be. They're champs. These will be. Uh, how about our mailbag? You've got mail. Indeed, we do. And uh, and this one is going to be from Kenneth. And, and to be honest, I don't know how we're going to answer this in one single short segment here. The message is, is I came from North Indiana where I spent 20 years getting a mixed lawn to look good, in my opinion. Moved, north, moved to north of Knoxville, Tennessee last summer, newer subdivision, and everyone's lawns is weeds. Uh, I've done the usual weed and feed over and over, pre and post emergent, some lime, just used some pelletized 2,4-D. Um, still lots of little yellow flowers and clovers. I did start early last fall seeding and to late spring. Everything starts so early down here. Uh, the soil is red and sticky, but not quite clay pulling my hair out. We also have a CBD hydro farm and lots of land. We're clearing for grass. We'll need help figuring it out. Um, there is, there is so much to unpack here. Really? I mean, there's in, and this is, this is the area where, where I've worked for a long time and I, and I promise the soil scares everybody uh but I, I i can promise you it's not that bad it's called rocky top because it doesn't grow corn very well but you can grow grass here just fine it's different it's significantly different than what you're used to in indiana and you can't think of it like growing grass in indiana you have to think about it about growing grass in the south and uh and you're growing cool season grass in the south so <laughs> a totally different game plan and and approach to what you experience in indiana similar but significantly different um, second thing I would say is that do not use granular, uh, post-emergent weed controls. Stay away from the weed and feeds, uh, stay away from any kind of granular 2,4-D. The yellow flowers and clovers you're talking about is probably oxalis and, um, or black medic. And that's not going to work on that particular problem anyway. Uh, once you have it here in our lawns, you've got to move up to something containing triclopyr and carfentrazone or fluoroxypyr and, and carfentrazone or sulfentrazone in order to get or, rid of that. So go ahead. Or the man, or the man needs the uh, ultimate Oktoberfest cocktail of quinclorac and triclopyr. A quinclorac triclopyr application would be would be a good one as well too. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It, there's, you, you know, and and the timing of it is going to be really different than what you're used to as well too. So, um, you know, we don't have snow on the ground here in February. So normally, when you see things kicking off, would be somewhere around February here. So, putting down your pre-emergence in February, uh, as you see these come up, you know, making the appropriate. Uh, uh, 
app, post-emergent weed control applications. 2,4-D is going to be very have very limited efficacy here as a singular product because our weed pressure is too high and is significantly different than what you dealt with in Indiana. Uh, I doubt in Indiana, buttonweed was a major problem for you. Buttonweed down here is like the normal weed that everybody gets when it comes to uh, summer broadleaf weeds. Um, just like oxalis and black medic, black medic are major problems that you have here. You probably didn't see just a ton of it where you were in Indiana. And, uh, and 2,4-D is not going to help you with either of those weeds. So you're going to have to adjust your approach and move on to some different chemistries there that you probably did not have to utilize when you were in Indiana. And then in the fall, of course, you know, here it's going to be sometime between September and October 15th that you're going to be doing your seeding. So you could push that out a little later here than you were probably accustomed to in Indiana. I would stick to good cultivars of tall fescue. Um, I would uh, uh, not just apply lime because someone told you to. That sounds like some old wives tales that that someone told you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, while it's not uncommon to pull the soil test here and find a lawn that has a 5.4 pH, it's also just as common to pull a soil test and see uh, a, a lawn that has a 6.8 pH. And, uh, and thinking that lime will do something to that red, sticky soil um, is, is really just a pipe dream. Uh, you need to base your fertility program based on what the soil test says. And, uh, and if you do want to go ahead and have one performed by an actual laboratory like Waters Ag or Spectrum Analytics or Ward or uh, Midwest or you know one of, one of the other, stay away from my soil and the ion exchange resin. That's not going to provide you any valuable data. Um, stay away from the one from Home Depot that does, it's, it's another ion exchange resin one. I can't remember the name of it. What, what was what was the other Home Depot one? It was my soil, and then some other dog piece soil. I think dog dog pea soil. Yeah, I I think the uh, I think Home Depot contracts with my soil. If they use the same thing, yeah. I think they contract. I think they contract with my soil. But in any case, get an actual soil test done. And that's a very good point because regarding lime, just because the soil is red, I would not assume because I have red soil here in my area where the pH is 7.5. Yeah, and definitely stay away from the soil master soil test kit. This is this is garbage right here. uh, yeah, that know, using color color coding is not really going to give you the kind of information you need to build a uh, <laughs> a, a fertilizer plant. So, anyway, I you know there's again there's so much here to unpack that there's no way we'd be able to do it in a mailbag. What I would recommend, Kenneth, is uh, uh, start with a soil test, send that into us, and uh, even if you want to come on to a Thursday Thursday or something, you know, we can build you a program or figure out some way to uh, to guide you in such a way to, to have that. And I think that's it. Uh, that was it for our mailbag. Gentlemen, I want to thank you all for being on the show today. Uh, coming up Thursday, which, hey, summer's here. You know what that means? You know what that means? It means I get to get off early on Thursdays because I get to get my ass early to work on Thursdays. Because I don't have to take the kids to school anymore. So Ooh. this Thursday, we have a call-in show. And I look forward to it because we are going to raise hail, praise Dale, and uh, do the damn thing. Ray, Ryan, Dale. God bless y'all. Raise hell, praise Dale. He's gone to race in a better place. 
<laughs> God bless Dale Earnhardt. Uh, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We are going to go hang out with the patrons and let them choose the title of this week's episode.